Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world of golf. It's time for the Masters. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing our Augusta memories, previewing this week's tournament, hearing from two-time Masters champion Bernard Leia, and finishing with a very special Augusta-themed quiz. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hello and welcome. My name is Tom Clark and again I am joined by Elliot Heath who has he managed to survive Celtic Manor last week and uh, not appearing on the podcast and instead of getting really drunk in Wales uh, and he's made it back this week for this very special podcast. How are you doing Elliot? Yeah good, thank you for having me Tom. So I had uh, Celtic Manor last week which is very good. If anybody out there is looking for a golf break, I would thoroughly recommend Celtic Manor. Crikey, I didn't realise you were now working for Celtic Manor as well. No, no. Uh, so I played the 2010 course, amongst many, well, amongst others, uh, and it was much better than I expected. Good stuff. You had some dodgy weather to deal with, didn't you? Uh, we had hail for one hole. But what I would say is it made me realise just how good golf is, because we can follow in the footsteps of our heroes. I was walking down like 16, for example, Graham McDowell's birdie hole, uh, and at the at the 2010 Ryder Cup. Of yeah, course. I was just walking down the fairway with a smile on my face. So and, and that is very rare for you as well, isn't it? Um, Usually, I uh, have to look over your face in the office, and there's is it's just a grimace. Isn't but it? do you ever get to play football at Wembley? Do you ever get to play cricket at Lords? Well, last I, year, I know I'm you moved, you've moved on to something. Last year, I managed to play. I had a very special year last year. I managed to play cricket at Lords on the nursery ground. Hit my first ball for six. But also last year, I managed to play Augusta National, didn't I? Well, maybe we'll talk about that. A bit Indeed, later. and it, well, it's a, a very it's a master special this week. And um, well, I got to play Augusta last uh, year. This week, just got just gone. Some new people got to play Augusta as well, didn't they? For the Augusta National Women's Amateur. Uh, where there were how many people in the field that made the cut? 30? 30, yeah. 30 of the best amateur female players uh, on Planet Golf who managed to make the cut from the first two rounds, managed to tee it up at Augusta National Sunday. And we weren't sure how this was going to be. We weren't sure if there were going to be crowds. We weren't sure even if we were going to be able to watch it. Um, we weren't sure what the standard of golf was. And in the end, it was absolutely superb, wasn't it? Um, yeah, really good. So, what's the name of the lady that won? Jennifer Kupcho. I, I was going to let you say that because I was going to I was going to say it wrong. No. Oh. Um, and she plays superbly. Yeah, she's the world number one amateur. So, so you expected her to win, I guess, especially after leading after the first round. But then Mexico's Maria Farsi, who was very fiery, lots of um, celebrations and like I, this is hard to get across in a podcast, but you know, like. Shooing up the crowd with their arms. Interacting with the crowd. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Amping them up, you know, making sure that there was a great atmosphere. They really enjoyed it, didn't they? I mean, those two went away from the rest of the field um, and they played really well. And, I mean, it was dramatic. Uh, she, played, what, she played the last five holes in six under or something? Last six holes in five under. That's the one. After being down to Fassi, because she was leading on the front nine, bogey 10 and then um, eagle 13... Birdied 15, which was a phenomenal shot. It's that hook around the trees that we see every year by some player. Birdie on 16 as well. And then birdie on 18, which was a brilliant putt. 
almost like Charles Schwartzel's part. Or like so, how many parts. birds did she, did she get over that stretch? Three birdies and an eagle. Do you know how, how, many, how many birdies and eagles I got over that stretch? <laughs> well, I know. How many pars did you get over that stretch? <laughs> well, yes, let's just say she, she got more than I did. So, uh, But it was brilliant, wasn't it? Really good. So much better Abs- than I thought it would be. Yeah, it was really good. The coverage was excellent. The crowd was excellent, actually, as well, yeah. wasn't there? There was a good number of people there. And they re- they really enjoyed it, and they really took this opportunity. They don't know if they're ever going to get the chance to play there again or get invited back there again or whatever. They, they just went out there and they, you know, they played with a smile on their face. Obviously, the, those pairing, they were also good friends as well, so they were just chatting all the way around, really enjoying themselves. Yeah, even after they were making birdies, the other one, it was literally just a match play situation, the other one was like fist bumping them and exactly. like, it was, congratulating each other. It was, it, was, it, was, it was very refreshing to see, and it was kind of what golf should be like, shouldn't it? It can sometimes get a bit too serious, and we see a bit of gamesmanship, and... Um, that we've had we've had all this chat about the rules infringements and stuff like that. It was actually there's two people out there playing golf on their dream golf course, uh, in front of you know thousands, millions of people watching, and they were just having a great time. And it was really refreshing. And Augusta will be really happy with how that's gone. It may even make them decide to do a women's tournament. Sorry, a professional women's tournament. Yeah, exactly. I think they can only help. I don't know whether they're going to do that. We who knows. I have a feeling that they probably won't. To be honest with you, I think they probably. I was kind of thinking they might announce it this week. If they well, if, you know they, if you if actually you've got some inside information, I mean, great. I I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're probably going to see how this goes for a few years, and maybe this will be their thing because they get the course so ready. It's not like they can play again in six months' time because they're doing, yeah. usually doing a lot of work to the course and stuff like that. Uh, so we so we believe we don't actually know, do we? So actually, having it just on the the weekend before all the players turn up for for the Masters, I think works for that. And I I don't I have a feeling they won't do anything. I could be wrong. And the more we get to see Augusta, the better. To be honest with you, I tell you what, I did like the Saturday finish as well. That was nice. Yeah. Instead of having a European Tour event, a PJ Tour event, an LET event, an LPJ Tour, and all finish on a Sunday, it was nice to have different tournaments finishing on different days yeah it, it was fantastic and it would be you know it would give all those players and all the all the fans that managed to go to Augusta for the first time lots and lots of memories for the you know for, for years to come and I think it's only going to be a good thing for golf and a good thing for the Masters and talking of Masters memories this is going to be a big part of the podcast for this week we have been asking each other we've been asking yourselves out on social media and we've even been talking to a certain uh, two-time major winner about our best and first Masters memories. So, firstly, we're going to hear from Sam, who obviously was on the podcast last week, about his first and best Masters memories. Hello, everyone. I'm Sam Tremlett, and it's another edition of View from the Clubhouse time, and it's the most exciting week in golf is nearly upon us, people. It's the Masters. I don't think there's another tournament that creates so many memories and picturesque memories that are vivid in your mind like the Masters. But in terms of pure golfing Nirvana, Augusta and the Masters has no equal for me. When I was younger, it almost didn't seem real. It seemed like, like a fancy kind of place where, just in terms of how perfect everything looked, it's the golf course we all dream of playing. Traditionalists would probably say Lynx golf, Lynx course, like St Andrews and Turnberry. But whilst I admit they are incredible, I would rather play Augusta because it isn't Lynx golf. Lynx golf is so so brutal um i've been lucky enough to play it a couple of times with the golf monthly guys it's just so difficult to play whereas i think everything about the course at augusta is perfect in terms of aesthetics challenge 
it feels like golf at Augusta would be infinitely more enjoyable even if I was playing badly. Whereas playing badly on a Lynx course is like getting beaten up, usually by horrific weather. But I think all of this, the greenness of everything, the vivid colours and the picturesque nature of the place lends itself to creating master's memories and why the place leaves such an imprint on my mind. So speaking of which, let's take a look back at my earliest master's memories. Um, I was lucky enough to grow up in a house that watched every year on the BBC and we used to like get the videotapes ready so we'd record everything so we'd have every day a good eight hours of footage. Um, but oddly enough, I wish my first memory was a Tiger Woods win or a Phil Mickelson win or something like that. But instead, my first vivid memory of the tournament was Nick Faldo in 1996 overhauling Greg Norman. I don't remember all that much about it, about the 18 holes per se, but I just remember his black and white striped shirt and celebrating on the final green. I was only around three years old at the time, so God knows how I remember that, but I have it imprinted in my head so clearly now. The next Masters I really remember was, again, oddly, 2003. For those of you out there who know who won that tournament and how, you get the point. Yes, it was Mike Weir beating Len Matthias, Matthias, how do you say his name, <laughs> in a playoff on the 10th hole. Um, again, God knows how I remember that so clearly, because Weir, if I recall, won with a bogey on the 10th. Um, so it must have been a pretty damp squib at the end of the day. Um, uh, also, the, the winners between 96 and 2003 were all interesting. Woods won three times. Amira, Ollie, VJ. With those guys, I have no idea why. I cannot remember those tournaments. But hey, the brain and mind is a curious thing. Those are my master's memories. I'm going to hand you back to Tom and Elliot now, where I'm sure they will give their best memories. And we will take a look at some of yours from our social media channels. Oh, and stay tuned for the quiz later on as well because that's going to have a master special written all over it. See you next time. Chat soon. So there's Sam giving up his first uh, memories. What's your first memories of the Masters, Elliot? Can you remember? My first vivid memory is Chris DiMarco. So it must have been from the 2005 Masters when you, I would have been... You, you and Sam just make me feel very old, because Sam's... I Sam know. remembers Faldo 96, and then he really, really remembers 2003. Your first memory is 2005. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Well, it's not a shame, it's just depressing. I was 24 yeah. then. So I would have been nine years old then. <laughs> but other, some of my best memories... So do you remember the Tiger Chip? No. So you, all, all you can remember is DeMarco leading. Yeah. And then Tiger just beating him. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, but some of my best memories would be McElroy's collapse. Um, Adam Scott's win, I thoroughly enjoyed that. These are very recent. They are, aren't they? These are they're, they're depressingly recent. Mine is quite a way further back than that. So I remember Faldo's jumper from 1989, and I think I remember that. So I was eight years old then, and I think I remember watching it on Grandstand. Do you know what Grandstand was, Elliot? It's a Sunday programme on the BBC, It was it? Saturday, and they used, to, they used to have Sunday Grandstand as well. But they used to do the rerun of the Masters the week after, so I think I was watching the rerun of the Masters from the week before. Before, um, and I remember Faldo holding a putt on eleven to to win, and uh, there, yeah, that's my first one. But my favourite memory, I'm trying to think, what's my favourite memory? I think it Tiger's chip is is close. But I also, so I also quite like. Uh, there's a few you know, which aren't great masters moments, but actually, it's kind of the company that you were watching in. So I remember watching with all my brothers, and we'd all bet on a couple of players to win you know we'd all put a pound in or something like that and I remember my brother had Jeff Maggot and Jeff Maggot went into the 
the water on 12th and he, he, he got quite upset through something at the TV, I think. I can't remember what Mar- I can't even remember what Masters that, that was, but it's like those memories, just like actually watching it with the people and gathering around the TV and a, on a Saturday evening or Sunday evening are, are brilliant. Tiger's Chip, I do remember vividly. I was watching that with my brothers then, and that's something I'll never forget. And yeah. we were all cheering on Tiger. Chris DeMarco, I don't know, he's one of those players who's probably not... not that well liked over here for whatever reason I don't know maybe because he's a bit of a brash American I don't know but yeah that that's Tiger's Chips just so inside my inside my head I don't know why have we got any uh, social media ones before we listen to a, a two time major winner gives his best moments have we got any uh, of the comments from the people on social media about their favourite ones yes we do Tom actually we have um, Phil Coombe on Twitter hello Phil at Beaks1973 said Faldo lifting his arms up in that horrific jumper after winning the playoff after Hoke missed that tiny putt. Yep, that, so that's the same as mine. So that's 1989. That's that, the, the jump. It's amazing how fashion as well. So I think and celebrations are the things that really, really stick into people's minds, isn't it? Yeah. And Faldo's jump. I mean, that was horrific, but that's it's got a lot of airtime. Um. <laughs> A underscore Fitz13 on Twitter said Cabrera winning in 09. That's his first Masters memory. Yep. I, I can't really remember that well. Yeah, so he won that in a playoff I don't with so, really. Chad Campbell and Kenny Perry, didn't he? You, you, seem, to be, you seem to be doubting me. Possibly, yeah. Well, I remember did, that I, very I, well then. Yeah, so he, he did. He did. He, where, he, um, I think I had money on Cabrera at the time. That's where Kenny Perry finished bogey bogey. He did. So Kenny Perry uh, looked like he was going to win. He's bogey bogey. Yeah, him. So yeah, Perry, Campbell, and Cabrera. Uh, I'm sure that was the playoff. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Gary Lee at Barrel 2000 on Twitter. His first Masters memory was sitting up into what felt like the middle of the night with my dad and watching Larry Mize's winning chip. In 1987. Yeah, obviously poor old Greg Norman. Yeah. And how he never won a Masters is beyond us, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, that's another... You always see that... Again, that was... Larry, all I can see is Larry Myers running around wearing that purple shirt. A brilliant celebration yeah, as well. Yeah, brilliant. But, again, it's... it's I, I remember the celebration more than the, the shot itself, although I can think of it. And like Faldo's victory that was on the 11th hole wasn't it yeah which they don't the old playoff use format. yeah they don't use now for the playoff do they no and it's a very hard hole very hard hole so yeah. um they obviously used to use it because they thought someone's going to probably bogey it uh some of the worst playoff holes are the ones <laughs> where people just always just finish par 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 i think the old format was you just play the back nine yeah i think you went to sudden the, death so not, uh when Faldo won in 89 he they both bogeyed the 10th and then, uh, and then, and then, Faldo hold a birdie part on eleven. I believe that's right. Uh, right, Dustin Raymond. Hello, Dustin. On Facebook has said, almost getting hit by Phil Mickelson's ball in 2010 on the eleventh hole, and Phil making that incredible shot shortly after. He told the guy next to me who he hit next time, make sure the ball goes back into the fairway. Phil signed his glove, sorry, and gave it to him. So he's he's name dropping that he was actually at Augusta. That, that was a good master. So, what it? hole was that? Were you saying that the eleventh? Okay, I can't remember him hitting someone on the eleventh, but was spraying it around that time. So, 
He always sprays it. Yeah. But yeah, Westwood uh, came very close that year, didn't he? He did. For like, just quite lacklustre in the final round. Exactly. That's another one of Westwood's nearly moments. So before we hear any more social media uh, comments from you guys, let's talk to someone who actually uh, won the event. So last year when I was out there, I chatted to Bernard Lang, a two-time major winner and obviously still incredibly good golfer, about his best US Masters memory. Uh, the 13th hole, which is... One of my favorite par fives. Um, I was uh, someday of the tournament. I was paired with Chip Beck, and he was two shots behind me. And he had a great tee shot, a little draw around the corner. I had a little draw. He was first to hit, and he hit a magnificent. I think it was a forward to about 20 feet, pin high, over Race Creek onto the green and stopped pin high. And so that put a lot of pressure on me. So I had a three iron distance and, you know, slopey lie like this and can't hit it the tiny bit fat. You go in the water and all that, can't push it, can't pull it. And I maybe hit the best, one of the best shots I've ever hit in my whole life and started right at the flag, a tiny draw. And I got it inside of chip back. So if he was 20 feet, I maybe was 15 feet. And I saw his, he was on the same putting line and he missed his putt, and I saw how broken I made mine. So I increased my lead by one. When it looked a minute earlier or two, I might, could lose a shot. He could have made the eagle, and I might have made par or something. Uh, so those were maybe three of the best shots I've ever hit. So there you go, some proper Masters memories there from a proper Masters champion. I was really lucky to be able to chat to him uh, last year. He was in really good it's good spirits. Weather was glorious. You could probably hear we were outside. I think you could probably hear an airplane going over the top. Uh, we were we were sitting in the garden of a house that Rolex had been hiring out, and as you can probably imagine, it was it was more of a it was more of an estate than a, than a house. It was incredible. So uh, he's in really good really good spirits, and we're going to hear a bit more from Langer uh, throughout the podcast about. All he's played in so many Masters. Um, I think this year is his thirty seventh Masters yeah, appearance. It's quite ridiculous, isn't it? And I mean, he was—he's had some good results in the last few years. Well, made the cut last year. Who did he play? Here's a question. This is not a quiz question. This is just a question. Who did Bernard Langer play the final round with last year in twenty eighteen? Someone of similar standing and age. Was it Sandy Lyle? No, it's Freddie Couples. Oh, was it? So those so, uh, two yeah. guys, they were going out. They were only about five or six groups away from the end, I think. I can't remember. But I remember watching them, just watching these guys. Just played it, of course, so well. I remember watching them play the par three fourth, which is a ridiculously hard hole, and which I five-putted on, Elliot. You'll be happy to hear. Wow. And, um, yeah, they both hit the green. It's 230-yard par three. It's a... It's a beast. And, um, yeah, he was great to see. Massive green as well. If you missed it in the wrong place, as I did, um, you're in real trouble. So, um, no, he's an absolute legend, and we're going to hear a bit more from him later on. He was well in contention a couple of years ago, wasn't he, into the final round? Yeah. I think it was two years ago, and then kind of fell off a cliff on the final round. Which is is fair enough, isn't it? He's a very long course for someone of his age now. Um, But he's just such a good player. So, um, have we got any other social media memories? Yes, uh, I'll just fire them up. Right. Also, another memory that I can—I always like. I remember Olafarbel winning in '99. 
He'd come back from having really bad back injuries and looked like he wasn't going to play. Quite an easy quiz question here. Who was the low amateur that year? In 99. Was it Rory? Rory McIlroy? No. Who was it? <laughs> hang, on, um, hang on, hang on, Who was the low amateur in 1999? Rory's about 12 years old then. Who was the low amateur in 1999? It's supposed to be an easy question. Yeah, if you follow... George Dolph- Beath? Are you having a laugh? I who is it? Um, don't say Tiger Woods, because Tiger Woods won two years before that. No, it's Sergio Garcia. Oh, okay. Oh, I did know that. Good to see you follow us on that. social media. I didn't know that. I, 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 was, I was struggling to think of any players there. Uh, anyway, back to Masters Memories. Glenn Diskin on Facebook says Greg Norman's lost to Faldo. Yes, what a 96. That was. Obviously, that's the one that uh, uh, Sam said. It was the one where he going into the Sunday, he's six shots clear. Um, Faldo's... I think a lot of people stayed up and watched that because everyone thought Faldo, big fan favourite, obviously, over over here. Um, the first Englishman to win the Masters and, of course, only the second. There's only two Englishmen who ever have won the, the Masters. And people thought, oh, look, you know, there's a chance. It's very unlikely. Norman is a machine. He's so good around Augusta. And things just went, just didn't go right for him. And that's, and, and golf is that sport, isn't it, where things could go so right for one person and so badly for another. And then the next day, the absolute opposite could happen. So uh, that is, I think, people always be stuck in people's memories. Him falling on the floor when he's, you know, his putts were rolling yeah. back down hills and he just... He was just gone, wasn't he? That makes me think of uh, Rory's collapse in 11 and uh, Spieth in 16. This is very easy to lose a lead there, isn't it? If you get get down on yourself or start hitting yeah. some bad shots. Because that, and that's why the back nine of Augusta is so good. Because as we saw the week at the, on Saturday in the uh, women's amateur, you can bogey, you can double bogey, but you can also have eagles. The difference between scoring the best and the worst scores on that back nine on a Sunday are huge. I was again, I was strangely, I was standing on the 16th last year, my favourite hole, and um, I was just about to walk back up to the media centre, and Sergio Garcia was about to play into the 15th. I thought I'll just see Sergio play into 15, and then I walk back up, and of course that's Sergio then took. A fifteen on that, or thirteen. 13 sorry, on on that hole, um, and five balls into the water. It was just amazing, and uh, and then someone, I think, about two groups before, and I've seen someone eagle it. So yeah. it's you know it's it's one of those great courses where there's danger, but the you know if you play good shots, you're rewarded, and that's why it's such a good course. Also, you, as someone of your age, and many people who listen to this podcast in their 40s or approaching their 40s. I'm not... Right, OK, I'm 37, so, you know, you be careful. Um, will not have any memories of Augusta's front nine, will they? Because back in the 90s or whatever, they only used to show the back nine. Yeah, no, I, um, you're right. You don't... And, that probably added to the mystique and, of it. You know, when, I, when I got there for the first time, I went round the back nine about four or five times, wandering around, and then I thought, i better go round the front, the front nine because yeah. I'm here. And it is not as clear in your memory in your mind like the setup and how the how the holes go and how they flow there's some great i, I really like um the second hole where you drive on top of the hill so they have a nice cam- camera angle from behind so you, it's kind of it kind of just shows the whole of augusta yeah. it's one of my favorite um pictures of, of of augusta is that is that area um and yeah it was nice to go up there and stuff like that and of course to play it as well I'm going to keep just saying that I played it, just so people don't forget. Uh, right, some more memories. Seve in the water on 15. 
That was in '86 when Jack Nicholas won his his last ever major, I believe. Yeah, yeah. At the age of 46 as well. Indeed. Um, um, Nicholas, yeah. incredible record around there. Not not that I can ever remember. That myself, I all I know him as a is obviously playing the odd round and uh, being the the honorary starter. A few have said Nicholas as well. Graham Erdley on Facebook and uh, Douglas South on Facebook. Um, Stuart Elder on Facebook. Sandy Lyle's bunker shot. Was that eighty yep. eight? Uh, yeah. So first Brit to win. Right. Sandy Lyle. Yeah. Do that. So that was when um, I always think that shots now not they don't seem to find it as hard anymore. I don't know why that is, but it used to be if you're in that bunker to the on, to the left of the fairway on 18, you can't reach the green. Especially on Master Sunday yeah. with a chance to win. That's yeah. an incredible shot. Exactly, and it's, it's it's very deep. It's hard to tell on the uh, on the on the TV how deep those bunkers are. They're really deep. Yeah, I'm sure. And he hit incredible shot to the right middle tier, and uh, yeah, he he's a very popular winner. Great golfer as well, Sandy Lyle. Um, Mellyman10 on Twitter in Sarri we trust assume that's a Chelsea fan uh, says Faldo and Woosnam are his earliest memories well. Woosnam's putt on 18 another no another Woosnam diminutive fella you know only 5 foot nothing isn't he well 5 foot 3 I think he hits the ball he hit the ball about as far as anybody else and he I think he was aiming he flew the bunk I think he hit it so far on 18 then uh, then obviously hold that putt. That's the only, you know those are memories that I don't really have because uh, I was too young. But that era when we have Lyle, um, Langer, Faldo, Seve, Woosdom, all those Europeans winning at the same you know same, around the same time where there hadn't been any European wins at all really before that. And um, you know that, I think people have such good memories of that late eighties, early nineties where it's real. Um, Rejuvenation in, in European golf. Exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, Augusta has such a strong European and British connection, yeah. doesn't it? And yeah, and looking at it, like I think people will remember. Uh, you know, if you ask them, in people in ten, fifteen years' time, they'll look back at maybe Sergio's win in recent times, his playoff victory over Justin Rose. That's uh, my favourite Masters. Yeah, I think so many people wanted Sergio to win a major, let alone the Masters, and he again that back nine. He was out of it at one point. He thought, oh, he's a couple of shots back, yeah. he's not going to do it. He's had a couple of shots back and then hit it left on 13. 13. Somehow managed to... And they both parred it, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, somehow managed to scramble a par and then Rose missed a short, shortish putt, yeah. I think, for birdie. And that was a huge turning point, wasn't it? Um, even Danny Willett winning. I don't know whether that will go down as one of the best masters, but Spieth... One of the most memorable. Yeah, it's, it's so memorable yeah. for the Spieth meltdown on 12. You think, oh, well, if Spieth puts in the water a couple of times here, then the other guys are in the chance. And you go, hang on a minute, he has. Can't believe it. I have and- a story about that. I'm ashamed to say Spieth birdied the last four holes on the front nine. Mm. I was quite tired at that point. Didn't you go to bed? Uh, I think I just fell asleep. I woke up and I saw that Willett was in the lead by like two shots or something. And I... Because I was still half asleep at that point, I didn't believe it. <laughs> you thought you were dreaming. And, um, and <laughs> I stayed up at that point, waiting to see the scoreboard. And I didn't see the scoreboard for another like 10 minutes, because I didn't have a clue what was going on. And yeah, I was absolutely gutted. No, it's, it's, oh, I think actually you're not the only person who, who did that. I think a lot of people, when Speed went on that birdie run, 
Was he like uh, six clear or something? Mu- oh, I don't know. And then he bogeyed 10, bogeyed 11, and obviously. Bogey t- 10, 11, easy bogey holes. Very easy bogey holes. And, you know, obviously, Amen Corner. Amen Corner is one of the. Where 11 is so hard and 12 is really hard, but they usually par it. There's not usually that many bogeys, and it's usually a par hole. And then 13 actually has turned into what people, they they really like to birdie it, don't they now? That is, it's yeah. a par five that they can now reach into. So, um, no, it was it came from nowhere. And that is that is the major, that Westwood should have won that, shouldn't he? Uh, you know, Westwood and Willett were there. The two Englishmen playing together, playing really well. They've been playing all week with each other. They've done practice rounds with each other. I think they played with each other on the par three course. And Willett was like, oh, Westwood's looking after me this week, you know, yeah. and all that. It's me showing where we had to go. And... Um, and suddenly, you know, Willett wins it. And yeah, then didn't Westwood chip in on fifteen for Eagle to yeah. go level with Willett? But then he missed a putt on sixteen and Willett hold a putt and you know, it was it was very exciting golf. I remember yeah. Willett made a brilliant up and down on yeah. seventeen as well. And and I, I hope that they do keep the entertaining uh golf. There's been some poor masters in the past with Zach Johnson won when he was over par, I think. Um yeah. Well, it was just they—they they made the, the course too too tricky. The greens were too hard and fast; they couldn't hold them. Um, and the cheers—you know—it's nice to have the cheers all around it. And it's like if it, you hit a good shot, you can get rewarded incredibly at, at, at Augusta. So, um, um, also finally to mention Louis Ustazen's albatross and Bubba Watson's hooked gap wedge yeah. all on the same day. Yeah, what around that was incredible! It's such an incredible tournament where actually we we. We can probably remember, say, let's say a, between us, maybe a quarter or a fifth of the actual tournaments which have actually happened. Yeah. And we have so many memories without that, without even you know all the ones before that. So, um, no, great stuff. And we are having another podcast this week, so we maybe have some more Masters memories. So do keep sending them in, and we're trying to and go through that. Hi, I'm Nick Doherty, and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse Podcast. So next thing we're going to chat about is what is it like to cover the Augusta National US Masters as a journalist? So I don't know. You don't what know is it like, Tom? You don't, well, thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, so we have a, a, uh, someone out there this week. He's in, he's in there as we speak, uh, David Taylor. Hi, David, who we'll be uh, hearing from in the podcast later on in the week. Uh, that's his first time going out there. And we try and share it around the office to make sure people get a chance to go out there. My turn was last year, and it is an incredible place. And Augusta and the media have a very close relationship, more so than other events that I've been to, because when it was first you know, created, it was just another event. But this, such was the media coverage and the close relationship they had with the media that the media kind of helped hype it up and make it into what it is now. And they've now got the most incredible media centre... It's at the at one at the far end of the range. You can get buggy to and from the course. You get looked after very, very well in the media centre with complimentary food and drink. Very comfortable setting. You've got a TV there with four different feeds you can put in there. Everything that you you could want. And access is is fantastic. You've got a really good media room. And it's just a very, very pleasant uh, working environment for a week. So. Something that amazed me was uh, Nick Bonfield, who went the year before you, said in the restaurant in the media centre there's a, a scoreboard that is done by hand. Yes. It's so it's that the, is incredible. It's the old, so, um, yeah, so the old media centre 
was really, um, I'm trying to think what, how to describe it. It's like a semicircular with a curved roof. And it was an old, I think it was an old shed or something like that. And um, they used to, obviously, back in the day, it was all typewriters and everything was done by hand. There was, you know, before uh, advent of te- more, more better technology and stuff like that. So the restaurant is kind of, uh, they try to make it look like that. So that, at the far end, there is just a, there's just someone doing the, the, doing the scoreboards by hand. But all the scoreboards around the whole of the, of the, uh, the site are done by hand. All, there's, no, there's, no, there's no big screen TVs around. There's hardly any scoreboards. There's only about four or five. Um, you can't take your phone in there. So actually, it's a very different watching environment, and it's very much like being taken back uh, a few decades. So as a patron, if you came in, would you have to put your phone in a locker by the front? You can't or take... Or you just leave it at home? I, I, you can't take it in. That's all I know. So, uh, And you, you were allowed to take your phone into the media centre? Yeah, so I could take my phone... In, my phone was in the media centre, but I couldn't take it out. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to take it out. I mean, I could have taken it out, but why would I want to? You'd be kicked out. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I did not That's take incredible. my phone. incredible. So notice this when you watch the telly, you will not see people behind Tiger Woods just watching him through their smartphone yeah. they'll be actually watching him with and there's a lot there's, there's all these stories about people going there on the Sunday and people who've had tickets for forever and they go and watch the, the early stuff but then they actually go home for the for the finale so they can watch it all on TV because it is one of those things where trying to keep up with everything that's going on is actually very hard on the course because you don't have any communications the only thing you can do is put there's a few spots next to some big scoreboards so where's quite a good place is by the tee on 14 so you can see them play all of 13 which is obviously quite an exciting hole uh, and then you see them play up, and there's a and there's a there's a scoreboard there. So there's some very particular places you can be because you can sit in one place and you're nowhere near a scoreboard, and you don't really know what's going on. It's a bit crazy, but it's it's also quite nice. It's kind of just being back in the day and it's tradition, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's very very Which traditional. Is what it's a, it's a throw it's be. a throwback to how golf used to be whether it's a good thing or a bad thing I don't know whether they're going to introduce more technology I don't think they are. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's very different, and and covering it is you know as a journalist is is a it's an absolutely pleasure because you have your own media car park. You have in in the media car park. This is brilliant in the media car park for the guys who have been covering it for years and years and years, like the real old school old time hacks. They've got their own parking spots in the media, so, so they've got their own name on, which is you know it's just a field most of the time. And then back to the restaurant. <laughs> what? Like, so we've been. Are you through, feeling hungry? Uh, yeah, it's near lunchtime, isn't it? So we've been to the open, and it's kind of just like a buffet, isn't it? Every day you get served different things, but don't you get to order off the menu? In? Yeah, there's a menu, but there, and it's all free. There's, it, yeah, it's all complimentary. You're very excited about the, the, the menu. So the way they do it is there's that little restaurant which you can go in and sit, and there's a, like a little buffet bit, and but you can also order off the menu as well. And there's waitress service and all that, and uh, but then there's also around the corner, then like a couple of carts, that, and they've got all the food that is also available to the patrons outside. Right. So they have like the pimento cheese sandwiches if you want one of them. They've got a sausage biscuit, which I know Nick was at about four tons worth of, and you know you've got coffees and all this stuff. But like even if as a patron, I know to get to Augusta for some people is a dream, and it will cost quite a bit of money. But then when you get into the grounds. The prices haven't changed for years. So for sandwiches, a dollar fifty. 
for a beer, I think it's $2 or something like that. It's ridiculously cheap. So if you get there, they really look after you. And one of the things which I really like, which I didn't know, is that all the sandwiches and everything come in green wrappers. So you'll never see any rubbish, white rubbish flying right. around the place. Because apparently, years ago, there on the 18th hole, or the, or the 72nd hole, a bit of rubbish flew across in front of the TV cameras. And the chairman went ballistic and said, I'm never having that happen again, that we have something out of place, an untidy blow across. So that's why all the wrappers are green. So if something flies across, you can't really see it. That's why all the umbrellas are all the same, why all the chairs are the same and stuff like that. Wow. I know. So it's an incredible place. And, yeah, if anyone gets the chance to go, then, you know, do it. I've got three friends who are going out there, three brothers, the Plain Brothers, who are um, hopefully going to meet up with, with Dave when they're out there. They're going, you know, once-in-a-lifetime trip, go out there, play some golf, taking a couple of days' action. We're going to have a whale of time. So what about the city of Augusta and this, the surrounding? Because it, it's an incredible golf course, but the surroundings aren't incredible, are they? No, they're not. Well, they're not, no, they're, they're not, not overly. I mean, down the road, there's it's, it's a very American city. There's incredible wealth. So you go down one street, incredible wealth, incredibly massive houses, beautiful, you know, two-minute more driving, you're being faced with absolute poverty. Um, and it's, I think it's one of those cities where there, it is a divided city, where there is huge wealth and huge poverty. Right outside the gates of Augusta is a shopping mall, and there's, it's a very busy road, and uh, it's just fast food restaurants, which, suits, which suits me down to the ground. <laughs> yeah, it does. And uh, it's, it's, access to it is, is incredible, but um, it is a, it's very much an oasis, and, um, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't believe that outside you, when you when you're in the ground you can't believe that actually you've just come off the what is a what is a four four lane motorway uh you know is about 300 yards away you can't hear it doesn't seem to be to hear any noise or anything like that and it's all gated off and all these huge trees you don't see anything you just see just see augusta so when i went i was getting there about seven thirty in the morning and leaving about 10 o'clock at night because why would i want to be anywhere else so um no, incredible place. Yeah, it does look on telly like it's in the countryside, like in these beautiful forests, but yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, and there like is that. land, obviously there is land around it, and there's another golf course right next to it, Augusta Country Club, and there's there are golf courses around. But then also you've got these huge, if anyone's been to America, you, or um, been to Florida, you know, Florida's just full of massive motorways and highways and stuff like that. It's like that. And um, yeah, it's, a, it's an odd place. Another thing, do you see John Daly? Did I see John Daly? John, I saw. I did see John Daly. Doesn't he have a stand there every year selling? So stuff? he, uh, John Daly, usually parks up in his Winnebago in the car park of Hooters, which is pretty close to the entrance. And he was there last year. I think someone drove into his Winnebago last year. Which Sorry, what's a Winnebago? It's a giant, um, like an RV. Yes. Yeah. It's a giant RV. Wow. So yeah, incredible place. Dave's going to have such a good time. Um, we're hopefully going to hear from him uh, this week and chat to him on the podcast um, or hear his thoughts about how he thinks Augusta is because every time you go there it's just it's just an incredible place next up we're going to talk about the course itself and before we do anything we're going to hear again from Bernard Langer and his advice that he would give to any of the rookies playing Augusta for the first time well he needs to study the greens and miss the ball in the right places we're all going to miss some shots and and 
you, you're sometimes better off having a 60-foot putt or chip uphill than a 10-foot putt or chip or bunker shot downhill. There's certain places, if you miss it in the wrong place, you're just stymie. You're just, you know, you're going to hopefully make bogey <laughs> because you could make double bogey. But if you miss it, you could hit, you know, the odd bad shot. If it's in the right place, you can still get it up and down. So a more great advice there from Bernard Langer. Obviously, that is really interesting. It's saying about you have to get yourself in the right places in this course. If you miss, you know, areas, you are really, really struggling. Um, and especially putting, putting-wise. If you get... Some of the greens are very, very big. And so when I, I'll go back to playing that fourth hole, which I know I am trying to give advice on golf. I'm not trying to give advice to golf. I'm just trying to... Uh, give my experience but I uh I say I underclubbed on the fourth and didn't quite reach the green we'll just say that yeah so and, you chunked it yeah <laughs> and then uh and then I chipped I chipped on and the pin on uh so we played the Sunday pins the pin is front left yeah I hit it back right Ooh. and it was just impossible and just trying to work out exactly where to go my caddy who was an absolute legend because he had to <laughs> had to find my ball most of the day. Um, he, gave, he he actually said to me, he "Goes, I can't really give you a line on this <laughs> because he goes, yeah, try and go about there, and um, yeah." So yeah, to set the scene, you are a probably a twenty-eight handicap golfer. Uh, thank you very much. I, I'm eighteen. I play for eighteen. Thank you. And you had a that's generous by the way, eighteen. You had a harsh a earlier. brand new tour bag with full yeah, set yeah. So clubs. I didn't have my own clubs out there. Um, obviously, people didn't get, expect to get. So there's a media lottery. So everyone from the who gets a media accreditation can put their. You get quite literally a raffle ticket, which I have uh, at home, and um, you go into a draw and they they draw your name out. And if you get drawn out, then you are one of. 28 I think people who get a chance to tee it up from 300 journalists or something I like think that. it I think minimum I think it's more than that to be honest with you yeah um, you get a chance to play on the Monday so uh, Dave this week he will enter the raffle and if he gets his ticket pulled out then he'll he'll get it so this the moment when they announced it they say this uh, the media center is very very high tech and they said the uh, people who have been pulled out of the lottery your names are displayed on the TV um screens as you walk in which is so the media center is upstairs the kind of main reception is downstairs so um so i went and had a look from the kind of like the balcony bit and the first name i saw was my name and uh i didn't really know what to do i had to go for a walk um yeah i had to could stop shaking so. and you had an ex-tour pro caddy didn't you yeah i did he'd uh i think he'd been on the bag of matthew he'd been on the bag of jason day and also matthew goggin i think if you remember matthew goggin. was he an aussie then no no. His name is Drake, and he was a good lad. And did you have to pay him or tip him? No, well, no, that's the thing. So you would usually, but um, you get told very um, sternly, you know, everything's taken care of, you don't have to tip them, they all get tipped, stuff like that. So it was a, uh, yeah. It and was, how much was the green fee? Uh, the green fee was, it was complimentary. But no, it was incredible. And yeah, it was a great day. I didn't play very well. I, As I said, I was... Very generously, Taylor made helped me out with some uh, clubs, and your golf travel helped me out because they had they had a, a stand, um, had a, had a tour bag with a new set of clubs in there. So yeah, I went hit a few balls in the range beforehand, and I thought, oh, these are going all right. And yeah, it's just very, I was just very nervous, and 
think I got more and more nervous. You know, it's Amen Corner's coming along. Yeah, I guess it builds up. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah. And the guys I played with, they were they were excellent. So um, and yeah, we were all in the same boat really. We were all kind of in wonder at what was going on. So no, great thing. And you know, some of those players out there, you saw from the Augusta National Women's Amateur, some of those people are still, you know, they're in as much awe as anybody else when they go there and the pros they're still as you know in awe when they go there and if being a rookie no wonder really only one rookie's ever won um because you know it takes a lot of getting used to and it's just very different to anywhere else i've ever been to very completely different to any golf event but really different to any sporting event as well and yeah it's a it's a decent place to be to be honest yeah so you know, maybe, maybe soon, Elliot, you'll have a chance. Maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day. Anyway, let's let's preview the 2019 US Masters. Who are we going to pick this year? Do we think there's any outsiders doing well? And then there's probably a few uh, a few players we need to chat about. So last year, Patrick Reed won 15 under par. He he shot, um, played very very well. Ricky Fowler was second and Spieth was third. Spieth went on an incredible uh, final day birdie blitz and looked like he could actually actually win it. He actually bogeyed the 18th, didn't he? Yeah, um, if he birdied the last, he would have shot 62. Which, yeah. And tied Patrick Reed. Yeah, so um, should we chat about those three first? Do you think any of those three are going to figure out this year? I think Reed has a good chance because... His preparation last year was phenomenal. I think one day it was estimated that he hit 5,000 putts the week before. Um, and because, as he's, it was widely uh, reported, he's not very popular. So he just goes on his own with his wife and just really meticulously practices. Um, and after hitting those 5,000 putts, he had, I think, two three putts the entire week. And Spieth or Fowler, who were just behind him, had three three putts. So like so that really did pay off, and he had some. Uh, I think he he had a really long two part on the seventeenth on the final, yeah. And that's that was an incredible two part. Actually, that's the one that the caddies were talking about on the way round, saying actually that was incredible that he two putted that because it's very very tough. Yeah. Um, so I mean, Reed not Reed going to last year. So he'd missed the cut the year before at Masters, right. but going he was in very good form. I think he had four top tens leading into the Masters. Hasn't been in. As good form this year, but I don't think he's anyone we should ever write off. Definitely not. Um, he's had, and also, as you say, he's because he's not the most popular. He knows he's not the most popular. I don't think he's going to get asked to do as many things as, as defending champions would do. I'm sure he's got, a, got quite a bit on his plate to do. So I do wonder. Um, I wonder. I think he might do quite might give quite a good title defence. I remember last year there was a. Big featured four ball with Woods, Couples, Justin Thomas and someone else. And um, Reed actually followed them out on the back nine on his own. Was just pr- taken ages following Well, a, a practice. Yeah, on the Monday or Tuesday. But yeah, Fowler possibly, but you know. So Fowler, so Fowler is my sure. first betting tip of the day. I'm going to get that one out of the way. Right. So Fowler, is, I think he's, it's going to be his year. So, Do you? Yeah. He's my headline betting tip. He's 15 to 1, 18 to 1, sorry. He's won already this year, won the Phoenix Open. Uh, obviously came second last year. He's also had a second place this year. He's putting really, really well. He's striking it really well. Um, if he's going to win a major, I think this could be this could be it. This could be the one. 
I think 18 to 1 is pretty good odds for him as well. I know you're not a big fan of Fowler. You think he's a choker. <laughs> uh, he's done well at Augusta before, hasn't he? Not yeah. just last year, but in previous years. Yeah. I can't see him ever winning a major. Oh, yeah, you know. I hope that comes back to bite you in a week. It could I do, hope that it? comes back to bite you in a week. Um, <laughs> be... If it does, I'll I'll clip that bit out and put it in. The <laughs> exactly, that's going to be my ringtone. Um, Spieth, he's coming into form. S- but... Well, Spieth has had dreadful issues. I can't keep the ball on the, on the course. It's almost got the putting yips, which used to be his thing. I've been at the weekend, just gone at the Valero Texas Open. He's leading off the he's, he's playing really nicely, playing very solid first two rounds. Everyone's like, oh, look, Spieth's playing well. Shoots 42 on the front nine on Saturday, but then goes and shoots 31 on the back nine. He's just, he's so inconsistent. Whether he can actually get 72 holes of golf without a complete blow up, I don't know. I think his odds are going to be pretty decent now, even for someone who's got such a good. I think you, I mean, you probably get him at twenty to one. I think that's a bit short to be honest with you, um, for someone who's been playing that yeah. badly. If you can get him at longer than that, maybe consider him. But because um, he's got such good course form there, you know, he's had first three years. What he finished second, first, third, or something like that. Yeah. What did he finish when Willett won? He finished. He's top five, wasn't he? Yeah, something like so, that. So uh, he, he's hard to completely ignore. Um, but yeah, so Fowler, I've already said my my first one. My bet. And let's give me another. Give me another second one. Here we go. Adam Scott. Yeah, I like that. Thirty to one. Uh, he's been getting better and better this season. He's finally got a putting stroke that seems to work again after being, uh, you know, having to put away the the long putter. Uh, obviously, won it in twenty thirteen. Um, he's had five top tens at Augusta in the past. I just, I just think at thirty to one, he's he's very good value. Yeah, um, I think thirty to one's not great odds. You can get him as high as forty-five to one. In well, 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 yeah. So thirty, you know, around thirty to one. But you know, but the betting odds is a very is always an odd that is always an odd uh, thing because you'll get lots of bookmakers. Do check out over a range of bookmakers if you want to yeah. get value that's my tip but also do check about your each way bets because some people will be saying um oh we'll pay out 10 places for each way which is a which is a lot you think it's an 84 man field or whatever it is 10 places each way is, is huge but then check what your odds will be because usually if you have your top five each way which would be your usual thing you then get top five at a quarter of the odds now, people might be saying ten top 10, but look, you might be a fifth of the odds or even a sixth of the odds, which I've seen before as well. So do check out, because you might be going, oh, that's good, but actually you're losing out on, on value there. But do do look around. You know, there's plenty of websites where you can uh, you can check out the, the odds. So, um, you know, have, have a look around. Yeah, so I'm really struggling to pick my winner this year. I just... It's very difficult to look past Rory McIlroy. Yep, let's let's chat about Rory. So Rory, what odds can you get him at? Not particularly great. He's seven by far the favourite, isn't he? Yeah, seven. I mean, obviously, just won the players. Seven one, maybe the best that you can find for Rory. I mean, I think I'm going to put some money on Rory just so I can cheer him on. That's the best way to do it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's three. Well, DJ as well. DJ Rose Woods and McIlroy are the four favourites. I think Woods, rightly so, is up there. You think? 
Yeah, he hasn't he, really done much this year. But exactly, so he's due a great week. <laughs> okay, yeah, and he could do well. And last year's Tour Championship, he he built up to that. Yeah, and no, he's building up to the Masters. No, week. that's fair. And Tiger around Augusta is incredible. Also, interestingly, so who? Okay, here's the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Final round. Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy in the final pairing. Yeah. They're both five shots clear of whoever's third. Who would you rather won? I cannot answer that. <laughs> That's well, a question. Yeah, I wouldn't know until I was watching it, but I would say I did want Woods to win the Tour Championship last year when him and Rory were in the final round. Final group, sorry. Although this is a lot different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Rory is in... A- He's on the you know the cusp of history, in v- playing brilliantly. Needs the Masters to complete the career Grand Slam, which we all want him to do. So, do you go with that and someone who hasn't won the Masters, or do you go for the the story, which is going to break the internet, break the world? Tiger winning another major and getting to number fifteen. I know. It's very tricky, isn't it? Yeah. I hope it happens. Um, <laughs> so yeah, last night, which was Sunday night, because we're recording this on Monday. Um, Woods went out at about half past four, I think, just with a wedge. He walked down the first hole with a wedge. Um, so he did no long game practice on the course. He was purely just practicing his pitch shots. And also something funny as well, uh, he bumped into Kiradek Afi Barnrat, mm-hmm. who uh, got his autograph and got him to sign a few bits. We, we, we're quite a big fan of Kiradek Afi Barnrat, yes. aren't we? Kiradek Afi Barnrat, I think, actually has a chance to do quite well this you week. You did say you fancy an uh, Asian so winner this week. I do you? think a lot of the Asia players are in really decent form. So we've got this this uh, kind of formula which we think you know picks the winners. So they've got to be a certain age, they can't um, they've got to have done so so well in the Masters previous year. They must have done so well in the events previous to this year. Um, and Barnrat is, you know, he's actually ticking a lot of the boxes. And there's other players, Hao Tong Lee, I think, again, someone who's playing, playing really well, done well at Augusta before. Um, and I, I think, you know, there's only ever been one Asian major winner and no Masters, Asian Masters winner. So it's going to change at one point. And I think, you know, they there's a few guys who could do really well. I mean, it's just... I could pick about 40 players from the field, which so is the issue, I. isn't it? Uh, so I've got a really strong feeling about Francesco Molinari as well. Um, I mean, that's not... Yeah, well, he's, he's playing well, quite he's well. Coming in he's playing very radar. well, isn't he? So. Um, sorry, someone in that top four again that's coming in very much under the radar is Dustin Johnson. No one's really talking about him, are Dustin Johnson is 10 to 1, so someone is talking about him, aren't they? Because we're not. Well, we, 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 have... we wouldn't even mentioned him if I didn't say that then. I think we probably would have done. And he's the world number two now because Rose yeah. is now world number one, which means he's not going to win because only four world number ones have won since 1986. Stat. And Mol- I mean, I think Molinari. You can get Molinari looking at the odds. You can get him at 25 to one, which is very, very, very long for someone who's playing. And Spieth a- at 20. Yeah, Kupka as well. Kupka, you can get almost at 30 to one, which is ridiculous because he's another person. Just I don't think he just. Gets the headlines. He can come under the radar every single tournament because we talk about other people. And he's world number three, isn't he still? And I believe so. Yeah. Uh, no, McIlroy is world okay, number three Okay, so he's now. world number four. He's just playing fantastically. He's won three majors, I mean, for goodness sake, within the last couple of years. So, um, 
There is an awful lot of people which we could go on and on and on about. Yeah. Casey's highly fancied, isn't he? Um, and looking down that list as well, DeChambeau, you can get him at 33 to 1. Yeah. The DeChambeau, world done what, he, did, he, did, he has done reasonably well in there in the past. He, he did quite well as an amateur. So who's I've got another pick. I'm going to say another two picks, okay? And then the rest of my betting tips are on online. Do Google uh, golf betting tips and you'll find us at the top of Google. We were anyway before we uh, came in here. So the two I'm going to talk about, Matt Kuchar, 50 to 1, Matt Kuchar. He's had another top 10 at the weekend. Uh, he, he's just an absolute, he's on fire. He's won this, He's won twice in the last four months. Your face just I'm said, sorry. He's also, I know you don't like it because he didn't play. He's, he's, he's had four top 10s there in the past. He could easily win the Masters. That would be horrible. Why? I don't want to see that. Why? Because he only pays his caddy five grand oh, after winning yeah. 1.3 million. And also, I didn't get to speak about it last week, but what he did at the match play I thought was not very nice. I'd, well, me and Sam were both th- thought that Sergio was. Yeah, I know. Him. I thought you were really siding with Kucha there. Well, I think Sergio's one that did the, the penalty. Anyway, look, I don't want to talk about no. penalties. Kucha, but well, look, whether you want him to win or not, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, might not be the most popular players I pick. Kucha's, I think, is pretty popular. Um, but 50 to 1 for Kucha, who's playing so well. I think it's very good value. And then the other one is Matthew Fitzpatrick. So he finished second at the Arnold Parliament a few months ago. But the thing we are really like about Fitzpatrick, he finished top ten there a few years ago now. But he's got Billy Foster on the, his bag now, who has so much experience, so much experience around Augusta, done, had some good results there with Westwood in the past. I think those two as a partnership could do really well. Fitzpatrick's 80-1. to 1. Very good value for at least an each way bet. Whether he's going to win it or not is obviously another question. But nice. Um, just to get this in there as well, my um, outsider, not really an outsider because he's forty to one, but Xander Schauffele. He's not an outsider. Forty to one, yeah. Okay, why is Xander Schauffele? Uh, I just think he's you an like amazing golfer. And again, like uh, Tiger or someone else like that, he's been a little bit quiet lately since his yeah. win earlier in the season. So. He's yeah, he made one. the cut. He, he's one of those ones that uh, he ticks a lot of the boxes. Brandon Grace ticks a lot of the boxes. Justin Thomas, we haven't even bothered to talk about him, ticks no. a lot of the boxes. What we're saying is, if we you want to, we, we, we don't have a clue. We've given you some good, good stories, and hopefully you can take that and uh, try and pick the winner. If not, do what you do at the Grand National. Shut your eyes, pick them out, or you get a family member to pick one for you, and then go from there. But I cannot wait for the Masters. It, it happens obviously on Thursday. We've got the par three on Wednesday. Who do you, th- do you think is going to be any huge surprises out there? Is there anyone that's just going to come from the field from, or do you think it's just going to have a good week? I'm not saying whether they're going to win it. Do you um, think they're just going to have a really decent week? Yes, I think Victor Hovland will be the low amateur. Well, there you go. I wasn't expecting you to say that. Uh, he'll make the cut and he'll finish inside the top. 40. So that, that that would be a headline. Yeah, Do we nor- think Tony Finau is going to fall over and break his ankle again and then finish top 10? I hope um, not, because that was quite disgusting, wasn't it? No. One person we haven't mentioned, and I just want to say, I think might have a good week, is Tommy Fleetwood. We haven't mentioned him. He's another no, kind of the radar. 30 plus to 1. I think he'll do well. I know we've now mentioned half the field, but there we, we go. have, haven't we? I but we, do, we love the Masters, but we love the Masters, don't we? It's one of our favourite weeks of the year just because not because it's we get good page views on our website but because we just really love watching the golf and 
we think it's all we, it's just really special event. But we as our last chance to talk to Bernard Langer, and the two-time winner, he explains why he thinks the Masters is so special. It's very unique because it's the only major that plays on the same venue year after year after year. So they can invest in this golf course into the clubhouse, into all the buildings they have. There's not one tent on the whole golf course. They're all structured buildings. It's unheard of anywhere in the world because all the other majors, they move around, you know, and one year they're here, one year they're there. Sure. And, uh, it's, it's not really their own property. They're using a golf course that belongs to some other members. And so they have the luxury of unlimited budget, pretty much. You know, manpower is not an issue. And I mean, just look at it. They're building tunnels for the media to go to the media center. Uh, so the players don't have to, or they don't have to drive the players through the crowds here and there. Uh, it's incredible. You know, they, they buy all the land around the whole golf course to park cars for one week. The rest of the year is just sitting there. It's uh, pretty special. It's just very, very different. But that, you know, those are just sightseeings. But on, on the golf course as well, they will not leave uh, any bit of grass unturned or anything. If they think they can improve a little bit here, a little bit there. We just saw the latest example, buying another 20, 50 yards off the Augusta Country Club, paying a lot of money, whatever it is, it's a lot of money. So the 13th hole is going to be a real par five and not a driver eight iron or driver wedge for some of them. Well, there you go. You know, you don't have to listen to us to, to hear why the Masters is so special. You know, listen to, to a legend like Bernard Langer and you understand just why it's such a special week and uh, we can't wait for it to start. How's Langer going to do this week? Well, is I he going to make the cut? I think he's definitely going to make the cut. Yeah, I think he's going to finish 27th. <laughs> Put your money on that. Uh, so we, we've got a special Masters quiz. You can all play along at home. At the moment, the quiz total is... 7-4 to 7-4 to you. You've won three in a row, haven't you? Yeah. Disappointing. Disappointing. Uh, so Sam has done a special Masters thing quiz. We haven't seen the questions, so bear with us. I have a feeling there's going to be a couple of funky ones in there. So I'm a bit worried about this, but I say that every week, don't I? Yeah, play along at home or on the train or in the car or wherever you are. Shout the answers out. Right, question one. Who was the last Masters winner to win wire to wire? So I assume that is leading after each round. I don't even know if this is right. I'm going to have to write a note. I don't know know if that's right. Okay. Oh, question two. Who is the only player to lose in a Masters playoff twice? Wow, that's unlucky, isn't it? Indeed. Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I can't even think of Masters playoffs. <laughs> Try one. I've written two down. I'm going to cross one of them out in a minute. Question three. Who? Oh, I know this. Who won the very first Masters tournament back in... 1934. Do you know that? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um, Question four. Who's the only multiple Masters winner to never hold at least a share of the lead after 54 holes? I'm going to say that again. Who's the only multiple Masters winner to never hold at least a share of the lead after 54 holes? 
I have no idea. That's a very good question. It's not a clue. I, I told you this was going to be hard. So I'm just picking. I've just picked a multiple masters winner. That's all I can do. Isn't so it? have I. Okay, there you go. Question five. As we know, as we know, <laughs> do, you, do you know this? The fifth hole has been extended back roughly forty yards for 2019. But can you tell me the name of the fifth hole? Uh, well, as you played it, you should know this one. <laughs> I should do. So it's a uh, flower or shrub. So I'm going to have to pick a flower or shrub or whatever. Um, okay. I've picked one. If I've got this right, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> uh, question six. Who was the first player to shoot 63 at the Masters? Wow. I'm going to guess... A lot of this is guesswork. <laughs> Question seven. Up to this point, there have been 82 Masters tournaments. How many have been won by American golfers? Closest wins. 82? Uh, yeah, let's work, try and work this out. Okay, right, I'm going to put a number. I put a number. Oh, yes, go on, go with that number. You're not cheating, are you? No. Good. Definitely not. Question eight. When it was first formed, what was the original name of the tournament? When it was first formed, what was the original name of the tournament? I assume it means the Masters. I think I know this. But so this was before it was a major championship? Yeah, I think... What was it called the first year, a couple of years? I think that's... I'm, I'm not sure. I think I know I that. I think we probably wrote the same answer yeah, I think I, I've seen that. Uh, question nine. Oh, I know this. What is the name of the accommodation where Masters rookies stay? Thank goodness. I've got, I think I've got maybe two. I know that I've got one now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got two right. This is dreadful. <laughs> question ten. The presentation of the green jacket began in 1949. Who was the first to receive it? I think I know that. I don't know. I think that's on one of our other quizzes. Oh, yeah, you've already done a master's quiz for the website, haven't you? Well, yeah, I know, but none, yeah, but none of these questions are the same. <laughs> uh, I think that's right. Okay, and I'm going to go with that answer for the question two. Right. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing I've got two out of ten here. I think I've won then. I reckon I've got three. <laughs> okay, here we go. Right, question one. Oh. Question one. Who was the last Masters winner to win wire to wire? Was it Jordan Spieth? Oh, uh, it was. I put Patrick Reed. So annoying. Oh, I've put a tick there as well. That's one, 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 one wrong. Question two. Who's the only player to lose in a Masters playoff twice? Who did you put? Embarrassingly, I put Kenny Perry. I put Greg Norman. Ben Hogan. Wow. Wowzers. Lost to Byron Nelson and Sam Sneed. Who'd have thought it? So that's too, too wrong. Question three. Who was the first Masters tournament... Uh, who won the first Masters tournament back in 1934? Horton Smith. Horton Smith. Thank goodness for that. Is that correct? I think that is right. Yes, it is. Question four. Who was the only multiple Masters winner to never hold at least a share of the lead after 54 holes? And Nick Faldo. Nick Faldo. The, question, the answer is Nick Faldo. Oh, yes. I th yeah, I thought that was right. 
Thank goodness for that. Question five. Oh, as we know, the fifth hole has been extended back roughly 40 yards for 2019. But can you tell me what the name of the fifth hole is? I've put Magnolia, because that's the only thing I can remember. <laughs> Juniper. It is. It's Magnolia. Oh. I guess. <laughs> that's the only thing I could remember, because of Magnolia Lane. Driven down there. <laughs> Question six. Who was the first player to shoot 63 at the Masters? I put Jack Nicholas. I put Jack Nicholas. Oh, this is disappointing. Nick Price. Oh. But in 1986... Do we get a point for that? Because that's when Jack Nicholson won. No. no, we don't. Right, question seven. Up to this point, there have been 82 Masters tournaments. How many have been won by American golfers? Closest wins. I said 65. Oh, I said 60. Ooh. I'm glad about that, because I was going to change to 66. The answer is... Are you joking? Is it 60? Yeah. Oh... Do I get an extra point? No. Bang on. No, you don't. Closest wins. That's all you said. I cannot believe that. I thought I was going to win that. Uh, Question eight. When it was first formed, what was the original name of the tournament? I've said Augusta National Invitational. I've said the exact same thing. Yeah. Augusta National Invitational. Is right. How did we know that? We must must have... I think because... That must just be in our brains somewhere. Because of our very good article on the website called Why is the Masters a Major? Which tells you the development of the tournament. Good plug. What is the name of the accommodation where Masters Ricky stays? It's Crow's Nest. Crow's Nest. So how many have you got? Two, four. I've got six. I've got five. So you need this. And so I need, I need this. Wrong. I'm not sure if I've got it as well. Uh, so the presentation of the Green Jacket ran in 1949. Who was the first to receive it? Sam Sneed. Oh, I've put Sam Sneed as well. It is Sam Sneed. So you, you, you fluked that by one. Seven out of ten. Well, so that, that was more than two. Well, we thought I was going to get. Th- I got six. I thought we were going to get two, so that was good. So it all came down to that um, American winners, didn't it? Well, and also you fluked the how many, how many non-American winners as well. Yeah, that's the one I mean. Yeah. You fluked Magnolia, to be fair. Well, that's true. I was it's quite nothing like a fluke. Juniper. So how did how come? Because I got Patrick Reed wrong. Did you only get seven? Did you? Uh, yeah. I got Jordan Spieth wire to wire, Horton Smith first winner, Nick Faldo wire, um, never held the 54 hole lead, 60 Americans, oh, that's it. August National Invitational, Crow's Nest, Sam Sneed. Scum. Absolute scum. But never mind, well done, well Eight played. Four. Oh, you're, you're flying away there. Hopefully, it was, well, I wonder if any of you guys beat Elliot, if you did. I'm sure you've been revising all weekend. I've not. I think you have. I've been um, painting and... Um, oh, you've got a painting in here. Actually, that's got nothing to do with painting. That was from a can of kidney beans. <laughs> hard hard life. Anyway, thanks for joining us for this uh, Master Special. Hope you enjoyed it. We will be back later on in the week for a catch-up. Dave Taylor's over in Augusta. We're hoping David may even have an interview with someone over there, but we don't know if that's going to happen yet, so we're not going to say who it is with. Uh, but we'll catch up with how things are looking over in Augusta. And, um, yeah, and all that jazz. And seeing if any of our picks are doing well. Or if any of them have fallen down the stairs and have had to pull out. So, fingers crossed that won't happen. As ever, thanks... Or if any of them have made a seven putt on the first green. Exactly, which, you know, it can happen to the best of us. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember to rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe to us on your usual podcast provider. And also, don't forget, 
that really don't forget this, but do check out our social media this week more than any other. Check out Golf Monthly Magazine Facebook, at Golf Monthly on Twitter, and at Golf Monthly on Instagram, because there is going to be loads and loads of stuff up there about this incredible week, um, and we've done loads and loads of content for you to enjoy, so, you know, check it out. Until then... We'll speak to you in a few days' time. Elliot, thanks for joining us. Thank you. No worries. And we'll speak to you again soon. 